to see you guys. It's really good to be with you. Uh, if we've not met, my name is Ben. I'm the assistant minister here, uh, and it's really good to have you with us if it's your first time. It's absolutely roasting up here, probably pretty hot down there as well, so let's pray that we'll be able to concentrate on God's word. Father God, thank you so much that you speak to us through your words. Please help us not to take it for granted this morning. Uh, we pray that, uh, particularly in this heat, you would give us ears that are willing to listen and hearts and minds that are willing to be shaped and changed by your spirit as we listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's the summer, uh, it's wedding season, and I wonder if any of you have been to a good cheesy wedding disco this summer. Does anyone want to uh, admit to that? Come on, somebody must have been to a good cheesy wedding disco. You, you guys need to get out more. Um, anyway, don't worry. Whether you have or haven't been to a wedding disco this summer, um, I wonder what your favorite cheesy wedding song is. Uh, maybe it's ABBA, uh, maybe it's The Proclaimers, uh, maybe it's Bonnie Tyler uh, singing, I need a hero. Uh, she, she sings this, I need a hero. I'm holding out for a hero till the morning light. He's got to be strong and he's got to be fast and he's got to be fresh from the fight. <coughs> maybe that takes you back to shouting, I need a hero on the dance floor. Uh, or maybe it totally doesn't and you're not with me whatsoever. I don't know. Now, I'm pretty sure... Bonnie is talking about a romantic hero there, isn't she? Someone who's going to sweep her off her feet. But in many ways, we're all looking for a hero or a heroine. I don't mean a romantic one, uh, but someone to put things right. Because weddings are often uh, a real high point in life, aren't they? Uh, whether we're getting married or not and we're at the wedding. But there are also dark days in life and there is trouble and pain and there is death, the greatest enemy of all. No one really argues that the world is just fine as it is, do they? We all wish there was a hero or a heroine who could put things right. And this true story that we're looking at today shows us who can put things right. Uh, it shows us Jesus, uh, and as it shows him to us, it helps us to get to know him in the most profound, beautiful way. Uh, and my prayer is that it will help us to trust him, even as we walk in darkness. And uh, maybe that's particularly you this morning. We're told at the end of chapter 10 that Jesus was in uh, uh, the place where John the Baptist had been baptizing in the early days. Uh, and many people are coming to see Jesus. Uh, but whilst there, he receives an urgent message that his good friend Lazarus is sick. The message comes from Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha. And this emergency involves a really special family. Uh, it was Mary who loved to sit at Jesus' feet, uh, listening to him speak. Martha, who was keen to serve and, and give Jesus the best possible meal when he came over. Uh, it was Mary who anointed Jesus' feet with expensive perfume. And in verse 3, the sisters described Lazarus as the one whom you love. The original Greek meaning deep friendship. And verse 5 tells us that Jesus loved Mary, uh, Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And it's clear that Jesus has great affection for this family, doesn't he? Uh, maybe it was a place that he went to where he even felt part of the family, felt at home, felt really able to relax. 
But on this day, the home is anything but relaxed, isn't it? Lazarus is seriously ill, and the sisters are deeply distressed, so they send for Jesus. And they don't even say, please, get here as soon as you can. And they just tell Jesus that Lazarus is ill. From what they know of Jesus, they expect him to come straight away. But that's not what happens. When Jesus hears about Lazarus, he says this, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And we get a hint that something out of the ordinary is going to happen, and it's going to bring Jesus glory. And so strangely, we read in verse 5 that Jesus stayed two days longer in the place where he was, and then he finally heads to Lazarus' home. Now, Lazarus was probably already dead by the time that Jesus received that urgent message. Uh, We're told that he's been in the tomb for four days um, by the time Jesus arrives. Uh, But not surprisingly, Martha probably feels like Jesus has taken an age to come. She hears he's coming and she heads out to meet him. uh, And she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Uh, Martha shows incredible faith, doesn't she? Uh, Even in this time of terrible grief, she goes on to say, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God. But she, she must have been thinking, where were you, Lord? I know who you are. I know you could change this situation. Lord, if you had been here, Uh, Even when we know Jesus and we love him, sometimes it can be incredibly hard to understand what's happening in life, can't it? I was chatting to someone at church recently uh, who's going through a difficult time and the situation is stopping them and their whole family coming to church. Uh, And you can't help thinking, why, Lord? What are you doing? In the Bible, we see... Joseph, uh, sold into slavery by his brothers, uh, then uh, doing well for himself in Potiphar's household, uh, and yet uh, he's mistreated by Potiphar's wife and locked away in jail. Uh, And from a human human perspective, uh, it feels like God doesn't care. We have to be honest and admit that sometimes we can feel very much like Martha, can't we? Uh, We want to say, where were you, Lord? Uh, Where are you? But it's important to see that Jesus didn't rebuke Martha for her words, did he? Uh, It's not sinful to tell God how you're feeling. Uh, We need to be honest with God. uh, And God knows what we're thinking. uh, So we can hide it from him anyway. Psalm 62 says, Truly my soul, find rest in God. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Our Heavenly Father, uh, he longs for us to come to him and pour out our hearts to him. Uh, So don't run away from God uh, when you're feeling weighed down with burdens. Uh, Instead, run to him. Uh, Be honest with him uh, and pour out your heart to him. So Martha runs to Jesus and says, Lord, if you had been here. Uh, And how does Jesus respond? Uh, Well, first, we need to notice that it's not just Mary who says that, is it? Uh, After talking to Jesus, Martha goes off to fetch her sister Mary. Uh, And in verse 32, uh, we're told um, that when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, 
Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Two sisters in exactly the same situation, saying exactly the same words, and yet that Jesus gives them two strikingly different responses, doesn't he? Martha effectively says, you're late. And Jesus responds by speaking truth into her despair. And he says, this is who I am. I am God, and it's never too late. He shows her that there is hope, and he speaks into her despair. But his response to Mary uh, is totally different, isn't it? Uh, she says the same thing as Martha, uh, and we're told that when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Jesus doesn't argue with Mary, he doesn't. Uh, push back at her and try to show her um, who he is and what he can do. He stands with her in her grief and he's almost speechless. Two very different responses that show us so much about Jesus' deep relational wisdom. Uh, he knows exactly what we need. But even more than that, they show us his incredible character and identity. Imagine that you had a superpower, a bit like uh, the Marvel superheroes, and your superpower is that you can raise people from the dead. Uh, and so uh, you go along to a funeral, uh, knowing that at any minute you'll be able to wipe the tears off people's eyes, uh, uh, end the grief. How would you be feeling as you went along? Uh, you'd probably go along excited, wouldn't you? Uh, trying to hide a smile, uh, thinking, they have no idea what's coming. This is going to be a party, not a funeral. If you're imagining someone with superpowers, uh, or even more, an imaginary divine person at Lazarus's house, I don't think we would ever imagine them getting sucked into Mary's grief and just weeping. But this story is not imagined, it's true. And it shows us something profound. It shows us that Jesus is truly God and also fully man. And it shows us that he loves us. So let's unpack that a bit more. Jesus says to Martha, uh, your brother will rise again. Uh, but he doesn't just say, uh, I'm the one who's going to bring him back to life. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He's saying to Martha, I am the author of life. I am the one who gives life and the one who sustains life. What an incredible claim to make. Uh, and it's certainly not the only one Jesus makes during his life, is it? Uh, elsewhere in John's Gospel, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, he also says, before Abraham was born, I am. Uh, he's saying, I was there right at the beginning of time. Uh, and he uses God's name for himself, I am. Uh, the name God uses when he appears to Moses at the burning bush. Uh, and so... As Jesus speaks to Martha, we get a glimpse of his deity and his power. He's saying, I am God and I am able to raise Lazarus from the dead. Uh, he speaks truth into the situation and into reality. Uh, he knows that that is 
what Martha needs at that minute. Sometimes uh, what we need is for someone to grab us by the shoulders and say, wake up, look at reality. Here's what you need to see. We all need that sometimes, don't we? But the next minute, Jesus weeps with Mary. Uh, He steps into her sorrow. Uh, He weeps beneath the weight of her grief uh, and in the face of death at the tomb in front of him. Uh, Author Tim Keller writes this, you would think that if a person were really divine, he wouldn't be that emotionally exposed, but he is. So here we see deity joined to human vulnerability. His love pulls him down into weeping. Despite his claim that he is God, he responds to Mary in this way because he is fully human as well. He is one with us. He feels the horrific power of death and the grief of love lost. You see that these verses show us the beauty of Jesus and his character. Uh, They're totally mind-blowing. These verses have been described as some of the most beautiful verses in the whole Bible. They tell us that the God who gives life, uh, the God who flung the stars into space, uh, was willing to step down and become a human who could feel the full horror of death. Uh, He was willing to step into the messiness of this world and the suffering. Uh, He knows exactly what we face, uh, and he gets it. Uh, And sometimes that is what we need, isn't it? We need someone to weep with us. But why did the one who brings life, the God of the universe, uh, enter into weakness and become human? Now, we'll have a look at what happens next. In verse 38, we read, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. Uh, He asked them to take away the stone, uh, and he raises Lazarus from the dead. But why was Jesus deeply moved in front of the tomb? I mean, why would Jesus be sad when he's about to raise Jesus from the dead? Uh, The original word in the Greek uh, doesn't just mean that he was moved with sadness. Uh, but it also seems to refer to anger as well. Uh, it seems that his emotion, at least in part, is anger at death. Now, Jesus doesn't just say, death is what happens in life. Uh, get over it, move on. No, he's angry at death. He's angry at evil and suffering. It's not part of God's original plan. It's like he sees not just Lazarus, but all the other suffering and pain in the world, uh, and all the suffering pain that's to come, uh, and he's deeply moved by it. And so you might say, well, why doesn't he do something about it? But you see, we're all implicated. Uh, The evil isn't just out there, Uh, it's also in our own hearts. Uh, The Bible says every one of us has sinned. And to bring an end to it would be to bring an end to judgment, uh, would be to bring judgment. But thankfully, Jesus didn't come to bring judgment. Instead, he came to bear our judgment in order to put things right. Because uh, here's something you might not have spotted. The only way for Jesus to bring Lazarus out of the grave was to put himself into the grave. Uh, Have a look with me. Uh, Verse 8, 
The disciples tell Jesus that it's too dangerous to go to Lazarus' house because it means going back to an area where the Jews have tried to stone him. In fact, verse 16, they say, let's go that we may die with him as well. And then as expected, after Jesus' amazing miracle, raising Lazarus from the dead, we read that the chief priests and the Pharisees are so worried that Jesus' display of power will diminish their authority that verse 53 They go away and make plans to kill him. And Jesus knew where it would lead. He knew that saving Lazarus' life would mean losing his own life. And he knew that saving us from death would mean going to the cross and taking the judgment that we deserve. And so he is deeply moved as he approaches Lazarus' tomb. Uh, maybe in a similar way to the way that he was deeply moved in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, he knew what was coming, uh, and yet he went ahead anyway, and he said, Lazarus, come out. When Jesus weeps, the people around say, see how he loved Lazarus. But we also need to see how he loved us. I read the other day uh, of a Muslim man uh, rising at the end of a Bible talk, uh, where they had a, a Q&A at the end of the talk, uh, and he said this, how preposterous is the claim that the creator of the universe should be subjected to the forces of his own creation, that he would have to eat, sleep, go to the toilet, let alone die on a cross. Uh, and the speaker replied, uh, saying that the man's comments were intelligent uh, and civil, And that in reply, he had no knockdown argument or witty comment. But he thanked the Muslim man for making the uniqueness of the Christian claim so clear. And he said, what the Muslim denounces as blasphemy, the Christian holds precious. That God has wounds. And those wounds came out of love for us. We struggle to understand why God allows suffering and evil to continue, don't we? So often we're like Mary and Martha wanting to say, where are you, Lord? But as we look at this passage, as we look to the cross, we know that it cannot be because he doesn't love us or care for us. He loves us so much that he was willing to put himself into the greatest depths of suffering. With Mary, we see that he understands us and all our grief and sorrow. With Martha, we see that he is the one who makes all things right. He speaks truth to us, and he wants us to know that victory is assured, that he has won the victory, and it means that there is a day when every tear will be wiped away. And at the times when we're confused and we don't understand We're called to look at the cross and keep on trusting him. A member of uh, my family was very ill growing up and uh, still is very ill. Uh, And one day as a teenager, uh, it all just got too much. uh, And I couldn't understand where God was in that situation. Uh, And I I ran out of church. And... um, A certain uh, young man called Ken Matthews uh, followed me out of church and um, 
He opened up this passage and he just said to me, Jesus weeps as well. Jesus weeps as well. And so um, I want to commend Ken, our senior minister, to you as someone who cares. Um, But much more than that, uh, if you're here today and you're struggling to understand where God is in your situation, uh, then I want you to know that Jesus cares and he weeps with you as well. And sometimes that is just all we can cling on to. But at some point, we also need to trust that God's ways are far more than our finite brains can understand, and that in the grand scheme of eternity, uh, they will make sense. Uh, My two-year-old Phoebe cannot cannot understand uh, why sometimes we allow her uh, or disallow her to do certain things. Uh, And she's extremely stubborn about it. I have no idea where she gets that from. Uh, But I think Phoebe does understand uh, our love for her, uh, and she understands and is able to trust us uh, and live securely. Uh, and the difference between uh, God and us uh, is unimaginably greater than the difference between a parent and a child, isn't it? Uh, and so we shouldn't expect to understand and grasp all God's purposes. But through the cross and the gospel, uh, we can be sure of his love. And we can know true hope in the face of trials, uh, even in the face of death. The world around us says, bad things happen, uh, it's all meaningless, uh, it's totally random, so just crack on with life as best you can. But the Bible points us to a true and better story about a hero who came not with a sword in his hands to bring judgment, but with nails through his hands to bear our judgment and to make things right. And he can be trusted. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to respond to that on your own in prayer. Um, So let's bow our heads and pour out our hearts to the Lord. And then we're going to sing a song in response.